in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, most of you don't know this about me, uh, not because I've been hiding it, but just because I don't wear them too often. Uh, but I, I do, in fact, have a pair of glasses. Uh, the reason I don't wear them too often is that somehow, oddly enough, over the past few years with age, my eyes have actually gotten better, uh, and I don't know, why, don't know why, but I thank God. Uh, but there was a time when I really needed the glasses, when I, I couldn't see very much out in the distance at all. I was, I was pretty short-sighted. And I, I can still remember the day, I was a sophomore in high school, when I got my first pair of glasses and put them on. My, my mom had taken me to the eye doctor and we'd gotten them fitted and then we went to go pick them up at Lens Crafters or Four Eyes or wherever it was. And uh, I can remember getting into the car and putting them on and the whole ride home, there was one thing that, that really stuck out to me that I, I still have this very vivid memory of. And, and that was all of the trees. For some reason, the trees were amazing to me. I could see the trees now. Before, they had just been these brown stumps with some green on top. But, but now, all of a sudden, I could see individual branches. There was so much detail there that I had ne- hadn't seen in quite some time. There were little sticks and twigs. There were birds in the trees. There were squirrels in the trees. It just I couldn't get over how amazing it was to be able to see these trees and uh, the other thing that stuck out to me, and it was because I was going to be getting my license soon, so this was very important for me and everyone around me, but I could actually see the street signs. Uh, a block or, or two away, I could see them and not only see them, but I could also read them. I would know what intersection I was coming up to, and this ability to see to me was so amazing. And I think what made it amazing was I hadn't realized how bad my eyes had gotten. Uh, it wasn't as though I had some catastrophic event where I could see one day, the next day things were blurry. It, it had probably been happening over time, right? Years uh, before my eyes were the way they were. But now with the glasses, it was like in an instant. I was going from an old grainy 1970s TV to a 4K high definition view of the world. And it was amazing. I, I hadn't realized how small my world had become, right? Without that ability to look out into the distance, without the ability to see past the tips of my fingers, my my vision, my world had become constricted in a sense. But now everything was opened up before me. Uh, Now I I tell you all all that, that seemingly irrelevant story to to tell you this. Uh, I think in many ways, from time to time, uh, us Christians can become short-sighted. I think all too often we have lost our vision for the hope of the future. We, lost, we have lost sight of what is waiting for us out there. God has planned for us in all eternity. We, we don't see the amazing, glorious, almost too good to be true hope that we have in Jesus and what he has in store for us. And when that happens, over time, our worlds can become smaller. It doesn't happen all at once, at least not for most of us, although there are some catastrophic life events that rob us of hope so quickly. But, but for most of us, it's, it's years, maybe even decades of little failures, disappointments, hopes and dreams that are never realized, never fulfilled. And before we know it, our worlds have become so small, in a sense, we can't see past the tips of our own fingers. We've lost sight of hope, which is not how we were meant to live as Christians. We have always been guided by, pulled along through the difficult times by, directed by the hope that we have in Jesus, by this, by this distant vision we have of, of what's in store for us in the Lord. 
Uh, but because I don't want to just assume that all of you are short-sighted like I can be sometimes, what I want to do, what I want to start with this morning is by giving you all a little vision test. Kind of like when you go to the, the eye doctor and they have the board with all the letters, right, and they make you squint at everyone. Uh, today I have a test for you. It's not like that. It's actually a more of a, a series of questions to see if you two need glasses like I do. And so as I ask you these questions, just think about them in your mind. Be honest with yourself. And if you find yourself saying yes to many or all or even any of them, well then you might have a, a vision problem like many of us do. You too might need to regain a vision of the glorious hope that awaits us in, in Jesus Christ. Uh, so the, the first question is this. Uh, when, when you look to the future, uh, do, you, do you look to it with fear? When you think about tomorrow, the tomorrow of your family, of your finances, of your country, for your kids or your grandkids, are you afraid by what you see out there? If I were to just pick a, a year out of thin air, 2030, and you think about that year, do you think it's going to be mostly good or bad? And if you answer bad and if you're scared about that day, it might be because you've lost sight of the wonderful, amazing things that God has planned for us. You might need to get a new pair of glasses and regain that vision of hope. Uh, here's another question. Do you always have a reason ready for why things won't work out? You know, while other people are coming up with solutions and, and have answers, do you tend to have a pessimistic attitude? Like, well, we've tried that before and it, it's never worked or we don't have the money for that or, or we don't do things like that around here in this house or, or maybe in this church. Uh, sometimes when we have lost hope of, of, of the amazing things that God is working for us in our future, we, we tend to become pessimistic, negative, and, and we have all sorts of reasons for why tomorrow won't be, won't be better. Uh, the next question. Uh, does your life lack generosity? Uh, I see this happening and it happens in my own life and those around me. When, when we become hopeless, what we tend to do, because we don't know what tomorrow will bring, because we don't have this sure and confident hope, because we don't look to, to the future with, with certainty over what God is doing, what we tend to do is, is to store and hoard and collect things for ourselves. We close off our heart out of that uncertainty and out of that fear. And and we think, I got, I got bills to pay and I got mouths to feed and I have a life to live and I, I can't just be giving things away. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? That's a scary place out there. And, and so when we lose hope, we, we, we tend to lose our generosity. We, we close ourselves off and, and we close our heart and our giving off too. And so if your life lacks generosity, it might be a sign that, that you have lost hope and that you need to get a, a new pair of glasses like we all do and regain our vision for the future. Uh, next question, do you frequently engage in retail therapy? Uh, do you find yourself filling up your cart on Amazon with stuff you don't need or going to Kohl's, uh, not because you, you have this great need for more clothes, but simply to, 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 to get that dopamine rush that comes from getting something shiny and new and nice, right? Because when we lose hope, what tends to happen is we close off our worlds and we restrict our living to the moment, to the present, to the here and now. And, and maybe our past hasn't been all that great and our future doesn't look all that wonderful. And so we tell ourselves, let's just live in the moment. Let's get what we can while we can because tomorrow is uncertain and scary. So might as well live it up today. You only live once, don't you? And, and so what tends to happen happen is we buy, we consume, we, we seek to be entertained, all because we don't have a hope for the future. We've lost sight of the wonderful, amazing things that God has in store for us. Our worlds have become constricted and small. And so if that's you, if, if you notice that tendency in your life, it, it might be a sign that you need a new pair of glasses. Uh, and then this is the, the last question for us today, the last little 
a test in our vision screening, and that is, uh, do you ever wonder what's the point? Do you find yourself asking yourself that? Uh, whether it has to do with your work at home, as a parent or grandparent, your, your work in your career, or maybe even your work at church as you serve on committees and boards and things like that, and you go about this work, whatever it is, and, and you just start to wonder to yourself, what's the point? Why am I doing all this? Why am I putting in all this effort? Nothing seems to be changing. We're spinning our wheels. We're not making traction. I'm not seeing r- results. What, why waste all this time? If you have trouble seeing the the purpose or the meaning behind the work that you have been given to do, the assignments that God has laid in your past, if it all seems fruitless, if it all feels hopeless, well, then maybe it's time to get a new pair of glasses. It's time to regain hope. Again, these are just some of the symptoms of a hopeless life. Fear and worry, pessimism and negativity, lack of generosity, uh, a sense of living in the moment because that's all you got. These are the symptoms of a hopeless life. And, and brothers and sisters, again, that is not the life that God has called us to. Today we're reminded in 1 Corinthians 15 that we have this amazing, glorious, almost too good to be true hope. There is something waiting for us in the life to come that is hard to imagine. And, and that's what Paul is writing to the Corinthians about. Uh, they seem to have misplaced their hope, or maybe it was that their hope was too small, that their vision of the life to come was not what God had for them. Now, we don't know exactly what their hope was because Paul doesn't tell us. Uh, uh, Paul never writes what it is that they think the, the afterlife will be like. Uh, but most theologians, most scholars tend to think that their vision of the afterlife, their hope for the future, is kind of like what many people today in today's world think it is. And that the Corinthians were probably hoping for, expecting that when they died, they would merely uh, flee this body, leave this broken world behind and that their souls would would travel to some ethereal realm where they would become an angel and sit on a cloud and play a a harp for all eternity. That was probably their hope, their vision for the future. And Paul says, no, the hope that you have in Jesus is so much better than that. Paul says that Jesus didn't come just to, to open an escape hatch so that we can run away to a better place. But that Jesus came and he died and he rose and he's returning to make things whole, to heal the broken world, to restore and renew. He's coming to raise the living and the dead and and reunite body and soul for all eternity to gather together his children in a kingdom that will have no end. He's he's saying that one day when Christ returns, you will be made fully human again. Just like Adam and Eve were created to be, body and soul walking and talking with God in the coolness of the garden with their Savior as one. Uh, You can kind of think about it like this. Uh, In today's world, if something in your house breaks, uh, your your dishwasher, your refrigerator, the the dryer, uh, what do we tend to do when that happens? We get rid of it, right? You get the new one. It's cheaper that way, uh, and and we have an abundance of resources. Something breaks, you just throw it out. Uh, But what did we do 50 years ago? We we fixed it, right? We repaired it. We made it whole again, And that's what Jesus is coming to do. Not just to discard this world and the bodies that he gave us, but to renew and to restore and make things whole and right again in his creation and in the environment, in our bodies, but also in our relationships. We're not just leaving that behind, throwing them away as if they were garbage. God created this and and this world and everything in it, and he's coming back to restore it. That's what Paul's point is to the Corinthians. That's the great and glorious hope we have. And for, for us Christians, to be able to look forward 
to that a world of restoration and perfection, a world with no more sin, a world where we will live just as God created us to be in the beginning before we messed it up with all of our junk and sin? That's our hope. And that changes everything for us Christians. Uh, I would like to focus in our last few minutes on two of the ways that our lives are changed because of this hope that we have in in Jesus. And and the first change that comes to us is is because we have this hope, this amazing hope of the return of our powerful king who's coming to make things right and fix our world, because we have that hope of Jesus, we take heart. We have encouragement, even through the troubles and trials of life. And so when someone we love dies, we are still going to cry, and it's still going to hurt because, because that was bad and, and it's a natural emotion. When the cancer diagnosis comes, we're still going to be afraid and have lots of questions. That's normal. When life is just difficult and hard and there's uncertainty on the future of our career or our family, right, it's, it's still going to be difficult. But because we have this hope, because in a sense we can flip to the end of the book and we know how the story ends, we take heart. We have we have courage because we know that the loss of our loved one is not the end of the story, that though they die, yet will they rise and we will see them again. And, and when the cancer comes to us, as hard as that is, we know that that's not the end for us, that there is an eternity of wholeness and healing awaiting for us, that God's going to take that brokenness inside of us and make it right one day. And, and as real as our troubles are, they are but a momentary blip on the eternal timeline, <laughs> Because we have this eternal hope that awaits us, we take heart, we take courage, even in the midst of life's troubles. Uh, but the other change that happens for us because of hope is, is we also take action. We're changed not just in our heads or in some inner spiritual feeling, uh, but our hands and our feet do different things now because of the hope that we have. We, we sacrifice and we serve we don't have to worry about protecting ourselves or looking out only for number one. We can, we can be generous. We can give. We don't worry about making a name for ourselves or fighting to earn our place in society, right? But we can humble ourselves because we know Jesus is coming back to call us by name and to make things right, to gather us together. When you know the end of the story, when, when you can put on glasses and look way out into the future and see how wonderful it is, you take heart and you take action. Uh, if, I, if I could try to summarize, I guess what I'm trying to say, what I think Paul, what I think God is trying to tell us today by laying before us this vision of hope, my hope for us all today is that every morning when we would wake up, uh, we would stretch our bodies and maybe the first thing we would do then is to put on these glasses. That is to remember what's waiting for us. That each and every day we would look forward, not in fear or negativity or pessimism, but that we would look forward with the hope-filled joy of our Savior Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.